0: The fallout continues over Donald Trump's new child care plan. Trump said he devised the plan after he heard his daughter Ivanka saying to him, Daddy, 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 give baby child care plan. Apparently Ivanka had been saying that for a while, but Trump couldn't hear her because his wife Melania was simultaneously saying, Daddy, 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 give baby diamonds, and the two women drowned each other out. Trump says the plan will provide help for hardworking parents by allowing them to transfer ownership of their construction companies directly to their children while still receiving profits for themselves without paying any taxes. Trump says this will allow parents to earn more millions of simoleons while still being able to write their names in large gold letters on top of all the buildings they construct. For those parents who for some reason don't happen to own construction companies, the plan will provide some sort of something or other, but whatever these federal benefits are, they will be available to single mothers who are only having children to collect federal benefits and to same-sex couples who have adopted children or simply purchase them in Haiti. Conservative commentators hailed the Trump plan, saying it's about time an outsider stuck it to the Republican establishment by providing more federal entitlements and driving the country deeper into debt. According to Sean Hannity of Fox News, quote, Republicans have to show their support for the traditional family by encouraging more illegitimate children and gay parents. And any Vichy Glenn Beck of a traitor who doesn't like it will feel the steely edge of my hand slicing into his throat because I know karate, unquote. Hannity then shouted Ki-i and drove his fist into a cinder block, shattering three knuckles. (laughs) On the other side, Hillary Clinton... Speaking to reporters through a medium who went into a trance in order to establish contact with the other side, countered Trump's proposal by offering a plan of her own. The Democrat child care plan will provide federal funds to pay for children's education, health care, parental vacation time, Pokemon posters, those adorable pink sh- t-shirts with Christmas lights blinking around a picture of a pony, and baby's new pair of shoes if the dice hit the point before coming up snake eyes. Conservative commentators denounced the Democrat plan, saying that it was about time we stopped providing all these federal entitlements that are driving the country deeper into debt. According to Sean Hannity of Fox News, quote, the Clinton plan is just another example of how the federal government wants to take over every aspect of our lives. This is why 17 out of every eight white men have dropped out of the workforce and the poverty rate has risen more than 1100 100 percent since Barack Obama was spawned in a hideous conjugal right between the devil and Mia Farrow, unquote. He then shouted ki ai" and kicked a two by four, shattering three toes. Upon reviewing the competing child care plans, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump vowed to vote for one another, calling the opposing candidate the best Democrat for the job. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. <laughs> All right, I take I take full responsibility for that. You actually, Jay, you managed to keep a straight face. I just, I just cracked up. I'm sorry. All right, you know, I'm just I'm just used to writing in a room by myself and thinking, gosh, this guy is funny. <laughs> All right, so everything is happening exactly as I told you it was going to happen like two weeks ago, and so today I'm going to tell you what's going to happen next. Okay, so that, this is where the future comes to announce itself, and if you, you if you are a subscriber. You are now watching live on The Daily Wire. We had an experiment we t- where we tried to get live questions for the mailbag uh, yesterday. It didn't quite come off. The questions just came in as I was ending the question time, which was unfortunate. But next time, we'll try it. We'll try it again, and we'll do it till we get it right. But you can only be in the mailbag if you subscribe, if you give us your lousy eight bucks a month. And then you get to watch both me and Ben and get to be in the mailbag if you don't. You're watching the first 15 minutes on Facebook or uh, YouTube, Facebook or YouTube, and then we black you out, uh, come and rob the eight bucks from you anyway while you're in the darkness. But you can come over to The Daily Wire and hear the rest or on SoundCloud or iTunes until you subscribe. Also, this is the last week to pre-order The Great Good Thing, A Secular Jew Comes to Faith in Christ, my memoir. And if you pre-order it, you can send your receipt to the aclaven at dailywire.com and someone will sign a sticker with my name on it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe me. And we'll send it back to you. All right. So we're going to get to General Colin Powell's uh, emails. Somebody wrote me after reading the emails and said, shouldn't Colin Powell be president and i said at this point i would vote for colin farrell i would vote for will farrell but <laughs> for william powell i would like any, anybody but by colin powell's emails but first i just want to talk about the polls for a minute the new polls which show the national race is closed now to a statistical meaninglessness i mean they're like 1.8 percent in the real clear politics average which includes older polls so it's a lagging indicator this is what you heard from me the uh Florida and Ohio, Trump has a substantial, like a five-point lead, uh, and he now has a chance of winning this thing. And I kept predicting this not just because Clinton has been having such a horrible time with the corruption or sickness collapsing like that, but also what none of the commentators want to say is Trump has been doing very well. I'm not talking about his, who he is. I'm not talking about what he'll actually do as president. I'm simply saying that his trip to Mexico, his trip to the African-American church, he went to Flint, Michigan, you know, he, he's been doing stuff. He went to Louisiana during the floods. Whatever Steve Bannon and his crew have come over to do, it is working. He has transformed him. You know, he's he hasn't been sending out those stupid tweets about, like, m- some minor guy who attacked him. Yesterday he was in Flint. Just to give you an example... He was in Flint. He went to an Af- a small African-American church, got off a great line about Flint, you know, where they're having this water thing. The water is all poisoned, so they can't drink. Here's what he said. And then watch what happened next. I wrote out a few things, and I thought I'd mention one of them that I, I thought about, and I've seen around a little bit, and I said, did anybody else ever think of this? Because it's very interesting, but it used to be cars were made in Flint, and you couldn't drink the water in Mexico. Now the cars are made in Mexico and you can't drink the water in Flint. That's not good. Hillary failed on the economy, just like she's failed on foreign policy. Everything she touched didn't work out, nothing. Now Hillary Clinton. Mr. Trump,
1: I invited you here to thank us
0: for what we're Oh, we oh, oh, okay. Flint, okay. Give a okay. That's good. And I'm going to go back like that. Okay. Now, you know, so she interrupted him. She kept cutting him off. And then some people started heckling him and stuff like this. And the the press exulted in this. Oh, yeah, the blacks don't like Donald. But it turned out he came off looking much more graceful than they were. They invited him. He started to give a speech. The minute he went after Hillary, they shut him down. And he was polite about it and very nice about it. He, he's been just coming off looking good. They've got him somewhat under control. It also speaks... I hate to say it, but it speaks well of him that he's learned something. You know, he's learned that you can't always do what you want to do. You got to be, a, you know, you got to lead the country. He actually, if you think about it, has more uh, motivation to be a good president once he gets elected than anybody else. He's got enough money, probably. We can't see his tax returns, so we don't know. But he's obviously not living hand to mouth. He's got a, he's got enough money. He just wants p- to be loved, and he wants to up his name recognition at this point. So. Because of this, and and this is just what's happening. I mean, the email scandal has been a real scandal. The health thing on the Hillary side has been a real thing. And Trump's been doing well. So, the... Democrats are panicking because the one thing they own is they own this empire of lies, which is the mainstream media, the networks, the New York Times, which sets the budget of all these other papers across the country, LA Times, all these papers are in the tank for the Democrats, and they're losing control of it. So now, what's going to happen now, and it's already started, is they're going to start to do what Trump rightly called this Bobby Knight defense. You know, Bobby Knight was the loudmouth basketball coach who would abuse the Referees so badly that they would start to make calls in his favor just because they were afraid of being abused. The Bobby Knight in chief, of course, is Barack Obama. Earlier this week, he was out campaigning for Hillary Clinton because she, A, she was sick, and B, she's just so unlikable, they had to get somebody else out there. So he, and who does he go after? He goes after the press.
2: My most important message is we cannot take this election for granted. We gotta fight for this thing. There are serious issues at stake in this election behind all the frivolous stuff that gets covered every day. And, and, and let, me just, let me just make a comment about that, because I, I, I got — look, I'm not running this time, but I sure do get frustrated with the way this campaign is covered. I, I, I'm just telling the truth. Guys in the back, I, I, I'm just telling you the truth about how I feel about this. Right let me, Do you mind if I just vent for a second? Yeah. You know You know the uh you don't you, you don't grade the presidency on a curve. This is serious business. And When we see folks talking about transparency, you want to debate transparency? You've got one candidate in this race who's released decades worth of her tax returns. The other candidate is the first in decades who refuses to release any at all. You want to debate? Foundations and charities. One candidate's family foundation has saved countless lives around the world. The other candidate's foundation took money other people gave to his charity and then bought a six foot tall painting of himself.
0: Okay, well. A lot of that was untrue, but that's not the point. The point is, remember we had Kim Strassel here, right? And she talked about how Obama essentially ordered the IRS to start coming down on conservative groups. But he never did it by picking up the phone and saying, hey, you know, start – holding up the requests of these conservative groups, he went out and made speeches about these dangerous groups who had innocent-sounding names like, and then he would name these Tea Party conservative groups and make them sound like foreign entities and all this stuff, and they got the idea. And I compared it while we were talking to Kim, I compared it to Henry II, the King of England, who ordered the assassination of Thomas Beckett, this priest who wouldn't do what he wanted him to do, by saying the, the archbishop, essentially, who wanted... Uh, who wouldn't do what he wanted to do, by just saying, so people could hear him, will no one rid me of this troublesome priest? You know, he didn't have to say, go out and kill him, he just said, will no one, and, and that's what he did. This is what Obama is now doing with the press, and the press hears the whistle, they hear that dog whistle right away, here is Lawrence, what's his name, Lawrence O'Donnell from MSNBC? He's picking up on it right away.
2: Donald Trump threatening World War
0: III over a gesture, Donald Trump said he would start a shooting war with Iran if Iranians in little boats, as he called them, made gestures toward our destroyers, the most lethal warships in history. And Trump campaign
2: sergeant, a former federal prosecutor, justified war crimes that Donald Trump has said he wants to commit by saying that in war. Anything
0: is legal. He said that in the country that prosecuted Nazis for war crimes at Nuremberg. We executed 11 of them for what Rudy Giuliani now says is legal because in war, anything is legal. And then he goes on and says, but the press, the press is not covering this properly. And he goes and lambasting the press, you know, twisting, obviously twisting what Giuliani said, and, and then lambasting the press – and this is going to continue. It, it already happened after the uh, um, uh, commander-in-chief forum where they started picking on the moderator saying he didn't do a good job just because Trump came off better. Trump didn't do a good job, but he came off a little better than Hillary Clinton, so that had to be Matt Lauer's fault. So they picked on Matt Lauer. But let's take a look. Let's just take a look yesterday. Colin Powell's hacked emails come out, right? They're in D.C. leaks, which is, they say, connected to Russian hackers. OK, and Powell says these are his emails. And he also said, oh, and there'll be a lot more of them coming down the pike. So this is oh. Colin Powell. Yeah, he says there's more of them coming. So Powell is basically a Democrat sympathizer. He calls he called Trump an idiot. He called him a national disgrace. He called him an international pariah, a know nothing. He said the whole birther thing was racists and blacks would never let Trump forget it. By the way, I, I really don't agree with this. I mean, maybe the birther movement was racist. But the Bertha movement was a reaction to Obama's secrecy, his... All those present votes in Congress by which he hid his radical agenda so they wouldn't be able to tote up his votes and show how radical he was. All the lying about Jeremiah Wright. I went to this church where this guy was damning America, but I never heard him say that. I went there 20 years, 20 years, but I never heard him say that. You know, hanging out with Bill Ayers, just a guy in the neighborhood, but in fact this terrorist was the guy who helped start his political career you know, it was the sense that he doesn't like America, that there's something un-American about him. And I think that sense turns out to have been utterly correct. Everything he said that made him sound American was a lie. Everything he said he wouldn't do, he has done. He's been a radical guy. And that's where the birther movement comes from. And it also comes from the fact that Trump's an idiot and he believes everything he hears because obviously the guy was born in Hawaii. So there's no weight to it. But I think this spinning of it as is racist is, is wrong and ridiculous. But anyway... Okay, that's the stuff he says about Trump. But the stuff he says about Clinton is devastating, especially because he says she's his friend, right? And the famous one was he says, I would rather not have to vote for her, although she is a friend I respect. Speaking about Clinton, Colin Powell speaking about Clinton. He calls her a 70-year-old person with a long track record, unbridled ambition, greedy, not transformational, with a husband still... I mean, we'll call it richard Dean uh, as Austin suggests. You know, they should, Richard, the short name for Richard. It's just if you say blanking, you come up with a dirtier word. But he, he's still Richarding bimbos at home, according to the NYP. The, I assume he means the New York police are watching him shepherd the bimbos. At least we know Bill Clinton is healthy enough to be president, yeah. right? <laughs> it's like everybody else is too sick, but he's still out there doing it. All right, he says, everything Clinton touches, she kinds of screws up with hubris over weaning pride right mrs clinton's mishandling of her emails the email scandal has given her a major problem and he starts to protest about the fact that she was accusing him do we have this that clip of him of hillary talking to brett bear uh, trying to stick him with yeah. The email yeah, yeah. Play, play this this is hillary trying to stick colin powell with her uh, private server
1: Colin Powell's emails uh, were retroactively classified from more than 10 years ago. Right. As he said, that was an absurdity. I could not agree more. I echo Colin Powell in this. Release it, and once the American people see it, they will know how absurd this is. So okay. Colin Powell and I are exactly on the same page.
0: Colin Powell and I are exactly on the same page, and we'll find out more about how exactly on the same page they they are. After, if you come over to the Daily Wire, we got to leave you on Facebook and YouTube now. So long. Okay, so Colin Powell, you know the guy is obviously ticked off. He didn't do anything wrong with these emails. The rules were different. He wasn't using them for classified information, as she was. And he wrote in these hacked emails, Mrs. Clinton's mishandling of this has really given her major problem I do not wish to get involved in, despite the best efforts of her team to drag me in. He says Mrs. Clinton could have killed this two years ago by merely telling everyone honestly what she had done and not tie me into it. I told her staff three times not to try that gambit. I had to throw a mini tantrum at a Hamptons party to get their attention. This is him writing. This is, these are recent emails. Uh, I didn't tell Hillary to have a private server at home connected to the Clinton Foundation. Two contractors took away 60,000 emails, had her own domain. By the way, he's also being quoted as saying the Benghazi investigation was a witch trial and, and blaming the what the disaster in Benghazi in part on Ambassador Christopher Stevens, saying in a letter to Condoleezza Rice, an email to Condoleezza Rice, basic fault falls on a courageous ambassador. Who thought Libyans now love me and I am okay in this very vulnerable place. But he added, he added, and they keep leaving this out, he added that the State Department leadership, including Mrs. Clinton, shared the blame. And to this Condoleezza Rice said, I completely Agree. Okay, so that's what he said about Hillary Clinton. And remember, this is his friend, you know. <laughs> this is, I mean, it reminds. this reminds me of the movie The Long Goodbye, a detective movie based on the Raymond Chandler novel about Philip Marlowe, where the gangster says to Philip Marlowe, you know, you better stop investigating this case, and then turns and smashes a Coke bottle into his girlfriend's face. The gangster smashes a, a Coke bottle into his own girlfriend's face and then turns to— philip marlowe and says that's what i do to people i love imagine what i'll do to you <laughs> so this is the way this is the way colin powell treats his friends okay so, so this is now let's take a look at how the networks covered this and as we're talking about we're talking about barack obama and the rest of the left now complaining about how the press is being so so unfair to to poor little hillary clinton here's how they covered this
1: powell writing "Yup, the whole birther movement was racist Powell also seems to defend Hillary Clinton in an email to former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice saying Benghazi is a stupid witch hunt. His comments about Donald Trump were even more scathing. Trump is a national disgrace and an international pariah, he wrote in June. And last month he said Trump is at one percent with black voters and will drop. He takes us for idiots. He can never overcome what he did to Obama with the search for the birth certificate. In newly leaked private emails that Colin Powell confirms are real, he calls Donald Trump, quote, a national disgrace and an international pariah. As for Trump's questions about President Obama's birthplace, Powell says the whole birther movement was racist. That's what the 99 percent believe. Writing about Hillary Clinton saying his advice was part of the reason she used a private email server, Powell says her minions are making a mistake trying to drag me in. And referring to her speaking fees, Powell calls her the gift that keeps taking.
0: That's it? That's all he said about Clinton. None of, the, none of this Richarding the bimbos. I mean, if that's not news, if that's not what, a, you know, what an editor wants on his TV screen so that people will watch, I don't know what is. I mean, that's the that is the headline. Obviously, they just left it out. They left the whole thing out, all the stuff he said about Clinton, but they hammered Trump with it. So, you know, this is this is what the press is really like. And this is what people expect the press to be. Let me I, I just have to read this. Because I know you're not reading it because this is from the New York Times, a former newspaper, which I read so you don't have to. This is the way I sacrifice for you guys. But they, this is their lead editorial today, okay, on John Kerry. This is not changing the subject. This is about the way the press covers Democrats. It's called America's Mr. Diplomacy. America John Kerry, America's Mr. Diplomacy. Since becoming Secretary of State more than three years ago, John Kerry has been a man on a mission, multiple missions, in fact, relentlessly traveling the globe, relentlessly traveling the globe in search of diplomatic solutions to the world's toughest problems. Yes, Mr. Diplomacy. His efforts have been daring and at times quixotic, which means he's tilting at windmills. No, he was at times quixotic. He was no more successful than his predecessors in securing a lasting Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement. But Without his persistence, the Iran nuclear deal and last December's global climate change agreement in Paris would almost certainly have been unattainable. (laughs) I mean, the nuclear deal has been. Utterly exploded. The Iranians are in, German, are in Germany sli- sidling up to anybody they can find. Says, excuse me, sir, could you sell me some nuclear weapons, please? You know, I mean, it's like there's absolutely exploded. Wait, the ceasefire in Syria he negotiated last week with Russia could lead to yet another triumph in a pig's eye. You know, I mean, it's a complete fantasy. And this climate change agreement where they're going to protect us from the sun, you know, you know, Most of the lakes in the world used to be glaciers. Where was the New York Times when we needed them, you know? I mean, the climate changes, but he's got a deal. Boy, he's gonna stop that climate change. I mean, they are living in a complete fantasy world. And you wanna know how they enforce that fantasy world? Dr. Drew, remember Dr. Drew, this guy, he's like a liberal, basically, he comes on and he questioned Hillary's health on CNN and was gone. And Adam Carolla, who has his own, uh, you know, very popular podcast, invited Dr. Drew, his friend, Dr. Drew Pinsky, to come on and talk to him. And this is what Carolla reports.
1: I tried to get all this uh, Hillary Clinton and all the pneumonia and all this stuff. I thought, well, let's get Drew to call in and just tell us how pneumonia works um, what we should be looking out for. But blah, as HLN blah, blah. people are zapping him and saying, don't say a word. Uh, keep your mouth shut, commie. Yeah. Uh, here's the new world like order. In, in case anyone thinks um, it may exist, it may not exist, but whether it actually exists or doesn't exist in Drew's mind, mm-hmm. he cannot come on this podcast and speak about Hillary Clinton even in a hypothetical way, and or I said I knew he was going to be a puss. I said, just come on and talk about pneumonia. We'll general, just talk about yeah, pneumonia, yeah. and then we'll do the Hillary Clinton math. Uh, no, got a couple of deals, uh, Bruin, yep. and he does not want to risk risk those deals.
0: This guy can't come on the Adam Carolla show and talk about pneumonia. And this is a fairly popular, you know, t- talking guy, Doctor Drew. He can't come on and talk about pneumonia because he's afraid he won't get a job, okay? And believe me, I'm out here in Hollywood. I work in this business. I can tell you that a lot of deals are made at Clinton fundraisers. A lot of times someone will call you up and say, I- I'm going to Clinton F- fundraiser. Come on over and we'll talk about your project. That really happens. It happens all the time. So it's not like it's not like they're saying to you, oh, you're an evil Republican. You can't work for me. They're saying that the price of admission into the business, in, in some instances, not all. I'm just saying in some instances instances, is going to a Clinton fundraiser. Nobody, nobody is inviting anybody to a Trump fundraiser, even though there are people who will secretly vote for him. The Democrats sense that Hillary Clinton, she's not black, so she hasn't got the sacred blackness, the sacred color of her skin to protect her. She's not likable. She is corrupt. She's openly corrupt. And she lies even to the press. And so they are losing control of their empire of lies, and they want it back. And And The Bannon gang had better get, uh, better realize this is going to happen. If Obama orders it, when Obama says jump, the press says how high, they are going to turn on these guys. They're going to stop reporting some of these hacked emails. They're going to say, well, we didn't know if they were real. How do we know if somebody hacks an email if it's real or not? You know, why should we report on it when we don't know they're going to stop reporting it? It's going to happen. It's going to keep happening. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And so if Trump is going to win this thing, he's going to have to win it. Without the press, basically, he's going to have to win it using his skill at at somehow circumventing them. We'll see if he can do it. But this is really going to get ugly now that that Hillary has lost control and the press is and the left has lost control of the empire of lies. All right. Now that I've told you what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, let me just say one thing that I've been reflecting on. In this world of commentating, you know, I'm looking into the future, and as I've said, the president who gets elected. He may, he, if it's Trump, he may do a good job. If it's Hillary, she won't. She's going to be terrible. But who knows? You know, Nixon opened China. Maybe Hillary will give us our gun rights. You know, who knows? Let us keep our gun rights. But the thing, the thing about it is, whatever president gets elected, it's going to be some bad times, I and mean, I know we're all looking at this, and we're we on the right are having this horrible argument. You know this. Do we even want to support Trump? Do we want to support the Republican candidate? Or do we want to back off and regroup people calling each other's names? The alt-right saying, no, we are the European right is now what we are. Their idea is to transform the American right, which is for individual rights and individual liberty. And transform it into the European right, which is for nationalism and wealth still the welfare state, but the welfare state with a lot of shouting at black people and all this stuff. You know, they're looking for they're looking for that kind of uh, conservatism, and they think that Trump represents it, which he doesn't. This is one of the jokes of the whole campaign. You know, when, one of the jokes is everything is the opposite. These people think that Trump's on their side, but he's not. And I also love the fact. What I always love with fascists is they always have this manly talk. You know, we're strong. That's why we're going to follow the strong man and do whatever he says. They're slaves. You know. <laughs> You know, you look at they'll, 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 they attack Shapiro. Shapiro wants to be free. That's what. That's the way men feel. That's the way a man should feel. That I want to be free. I don't want some strong man telling me what to do. All right. <clears throat> so all I want to say is this. You know, there was a there was a piece quoted by a conservative historian. And he says the, the right is falling apart, and he talks about it. He says conservatives more than ever need minds as well as voices, arguments, as well as sound bites, and civility, as well as indignation. In this season of discontent, it might be useful for conservatives to step back from the fray for a moment and ask themselves, what do conservatives want? And then he answers... To put it in elementary terms, I believe they want what nearly all conservatives since 1945 have wanted. They want to be free, they want to live virtuous and meaningful lives, and they want to be secure from threats both beyond and within our borders. For those of you who think those days are done, let me tell you, you know, everybody, everybody knows about the fall of Rome and Adolf Hitler, so everybody always thinks that this is like that. You know, if you only know about two historical moments, that's the historical moment that you think it is. To me, this historical re- moment reminds me of something very different. After the French Revolution in, in Britain, in, in England, uh, there was a very uh, conservative movement to make sure that the French Revolution didn't spread to England, that they didn't have the guillotines, that they didn't lose their monarchy, and so on and so forth. There was a, a crackdown on free speech, people had to leave the country, and and there was a war, a world war essentially, where Napoleon was trying to spread the French Revolution to the entire continent, and the British stopped him. And, you know, they stopped him at the, first they stopped him at the Channel, then they stopped him on the continent. After that happened, however, it became clear there were like 20 years of conservative governance in England, but then it became clear that something had changed. The old world had passed away and a new world had come, and they entered a period of Liberalisation. Conservatives went nuts. You're going to give the vote to everybody. You're going to give the vote to all men. You know. You're going to give the vote to women. You're going to have welfare. You know, things for the poor and all this stuff. And they went nuts. But at that moment, the Victorian era essentially began. The England's greatest moment. It was one one of the greatest moments any country has ever had. And greatness came back to England. And it came back with changes. There were conservative things that happened. There were liberal things that happened. There were conservative prime ministers, Disraeli. There were liberal uh, prime ministers like Gladstone. You know, it went back and forth. But England did have its great days. This is that moment. This is that moment. We also had a revolution. We had it in the 60s. And in in answer to that, we also had a conservative governance for maybe 20 years, if you take the Reagan and Clinton uh, presidencies put together. And now... Something is ending. The consensus America that was born in the 50s is ending. It's falling apart. The baby boomer generation, which has done so much for for ill, but also some things for good. We're freer in many ways than we used to be. That's ending. These are the last baby boomers who'll ever run for president unless they really are going to be cryogenically frozen and stuffed, Okay, All of this is ending. And when things end, new things have to begin. It's scary. Because new things can be bad. You can go down the wrong road. We will go down wrong roads. Bad things are going to ha- happen. Bad things. Are not the end of the world and they're not the end of the country. We are going to be okay. We are going to be okay. We're entering into stormy weather. We're entering into danger waters. We're going to sail through it. We're going to be okay. Do not listen to the guys with the microphones who tell you that the end is nigh. The end is always nigh. The world is always going to hell. It's continuing to go to hell as we speak and it's going to be a tough times, but it's going to be all right. We are heading into an era of American greatness. I'm probably not going to be around to see it, but a lot of you are. It's coming. Do not be afraid. Fear not. All right, listen, I have to go and promote my book, The Great Good Thing, A Secular Jew Comes to Faith in Christ. So I'm going to be gone Monday and Tuesday. This is a long, long, clavenless weekend. This is why I want to end on a note of hope. (laughs) I will be back. In the meantime, listen, I have so appreciated those of you who have pre-ordered the book. I have so appreciated your support for the book. I think the book is worth plugging, or I wouldn't be plugging it if I thought it hadn't come out well or something. I wouldn't be hammering it as hard as I am. I think it's an important important book, and next week I'll talk a little bit about why I think it's an important book for the moment, for this moment in time. It's not just my story. I think it's, in some ways, it's a lot of people's stories. You don't have to be a Jew to, to read it. You just have to feel that you're living in a secular world and wondering whether faith is insane. So I hope you'll pick it up. I really do, and I will be back on Wednesday, all things considered. What's that? And we'll have the new opener. We'll have the new theme song. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm so excited. You've got to see this thing. It's hilarious. And you've got to watch it. So I hope you'll tune in uh, either on Facebook or The Daily Wire. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. We love to, to end the week with music. This is the best music ever. W.C. Handy is called the father of the blues. He is one of the greatest American, of all American composers. And, of course, Louis Armstrong may be the greatest popular musician who ever lived. This is Louis Armstrong playing my favorite W.C. Handy tune, St. Louis Blues. See you next week.